Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. Up front, I'd like to mention that you can follow me on Twitter at The Walk Show Pod, Instagram and Facebook at The Walk Show. Uh, you know, if you like the show, please take a moment to like, rate, subscribe, you know, whatever your <laughs> podcast app lets you do, uh, as it just helps the show be more discoverable. I also want to shout out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by myself and multiple-time The Walk Show podcast guest, Brett Lindley. Uh, Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games, but instead of doing reviews or news updates, we try and discuss why gaming matters. So if you like gaming and enjoy thoughtful conversation about that, uh, then it should be right up your alley. Again, that's Pick Up Your Sticks. On to the walk show. Uh, on today's episode, I actually uh, share some thoughts on a few action movies I've seen recently, and then uh, Misha Zarens actually joins the show yet again to discuss our fascination with criminal culture and, and movies and TV, and to some extent in real life, uh, although I think both of us are, are mostly <laughs> in the more cinematic uh, side of that. Um, before we move into those segments, though, I would like to share some of my recent experiences and uh, what I've now dubbed, I guess, the tool quote of the week. Uh, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you're familiar with my own personal journey to be better, you know, both physically and mentally. I'm still on that journey, which in itself is somewhat exciting because I have a pretty storied history of quitting. Uh, this time I haven't quit. The last week has been surprisingly filled with thoughts of quitting, however. I have taken to referring to the part of myself that feeds me bad ideas like quitting my new routines as brochure man. <laughs> and I call it this because the bad ideas don't come standalone. They come with a whole brochure of excuses and justifications. I've had to confront brochure man several times in the last few months, but I've dealt with brochure man many times in the last few days. Uh, even though I've been consistent in my new routine for a couple of months now, brochure man is still not defeated. This week he came with a thunder, uh, but as of yet, I've still managed to break him instead of, you know, the other way around. I share this to explain that this is all still very fragile. I always say I'm not coming from the mountaintop. Well, I'm not even coming from the side of a mountain. I'm still at the bottom, close enough to turn back around if I lose my faith. And I think it's only the fact that I've been consistent for a little bit that's enabled me to overcome my bad idea peddling self, you know, this time. Um... The Tool lyrics that I want to share are from the track Bottom on Tool's second album, Undertow. And the lyrics are, If I let you, you would make me destroy myself. In order to survive you, I must first survive myself. And I can sink no further, and I cannot forgive you. There's no choice but to confront you, to engage you, to erase you. I've gone to great lengths to expand my threshold of pain. I will use my mistakes against you. There's no other choice. Shameless now, nameless now, nothing now, no one now. But my soul must be iron, because my fear is naked. I'm naked and fearless, and my fear is naked. Now, I'm not actually naked. Uh, sorry to disappoint. Um, <laughs> I do have a webcam now, so maybe I'll do some cam girl shows here soon enough. But, um, but no, but, but so, you know, of, of course, not literally naked, but, you know, to me... The, the naked in that context is, is just kind of a way of saying vulnerable. Um, and I've, like I was just saying, found that dis despite my recent, you know, albeit short-lived efforts, I'm still incredibly vulnerable in everything in myself that has held me back before. Um, instead of conceding so far, I've, I've chosen to confront. But it's, you know, it, it like I said, it's day-to-day. It's -day, and that's, that's something that, you know, if you 
looking materials about how to improve yourself and how to how to get discipline the power of habit like i've talked about or discipline equals freedom you know they'll talk about it's said that it's a day-to-day thing and you take it one day at a time and and that's you know when misha was talking last week about um the power of habit and how he has used habits to not over not only overcome you know his depression and anxiety when he was younger but also achieve some really cool stuff later um you know he was talking about how you it, it's moment to moment it's choice by choice it's day by day and you break things down into little steps and i've i've really had to kind of face that recently where i uh i yeah i have to break things down into little steps and, and sometimes those little steps are just you know, multiple times within a single day having to, to say, what choice am I going to make now? And and sometimes it's multiple times in a week saying, am I going to, am I going to do today what I said I was going to do to myself? Um, and luckily so far, you know, fortunately I've been, been able to maintain that. Uh, and all I can do is just keep, <laughs> keep making those decisions one day at a time. I can't, like me, she was talking about climbing up the, the hill on a bicycle and how he just, he just looks at the ground and then it, you know, eventually he'll get there, but he can't look at the top of the hill or it's overwhelming. And that's kind of where I find myself now is that I just, uh, right now I'm just doing day by day. And I don't mean that as a, a, a complaint. Uh, it's actually somewhat empowering that I've been able to, to maintain and the brochure man, despite his best efforts has not beaten me. Um, so yeah, you know, to hell with you, brochure man. Uh, <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. You know, as always, today's episode, uh, music is by Misha Zarens. Uh, let's jump into those segments. So I've always been a pretty big action movie fan. I would say, you know, my favorite action movies um, are probably Rambo from 2007, I think it's just a, a a really excellent example of of what an action movie should be. Not too much dialogue, um, <laughs> not too much emphasis on you know character building. Just simply like straight straight to the action, uh, and that that's what I'm looking for. And you know, I would say you know not an emphasis on like a love story. And and when I say that, people will come to me and be like, well, you know, the love story is is a good is a good thing. Why why don't you like love stories? And and that's actually not the case. I'm actually also a rom-com fan. Uh so so, so it's not that I don't like and those are, are are admittedly somewhat cheesy, but it's not that I don't that I can't stomach a, you know, something with emotions or something that is, you know, again romantic in nature or something. It's more just that oftentimes when they try and force those kind of storylines into action movies, they're really poorly done. And so it's like, why don't we just stick to what we're good at and instead of trying to, to sandwich in all this other stuff. Anyway, so I think Rambo 2007 does an excellent job of that. The John Wick franchise, awesome. The Raid franchise is really good. Um, Tony Jaw movies from, from you know, uh, 15 years ago now probably, but like Ong Bak and Tom Young Goon, those are really good. Um but anyway, I'll probably talk more about those movies at another time. But but so suffice it to say that I'm, I'm like action movies quite a bit, um, and recently have watched a few and kind of wanted to share some of my thoughts on them. The first one that I watched is The Accountant, which stars Ben Affleck, and he Ben Affleck's character has um, 
high functioning autism. And so in the film, you know, as a kid, he is is shown kind of struggling with that and his parents trying to get him help and his dad is a, a military guy who insists that he do all this rigorous physical training and you know basically become like a, a soldier even though he's not actually going to be in the military Ben Affleck's character this is so anyway so as an adult Ben Affleck's character is an accountant by trade and ends up being an accountant for a lot of black market you know cartel drug lord type characters um but I guess is able to protect himself is the the premise because he has all this military training from his you know childhood as he was growing up, um, and yeah, I, it's actually a pretty solid action flick. I was I was surprised, it, you know, it sounded that kind of a <laughs> a silly premise, but uh, it ended up being being pretty enjoyable. Um, it's got some good you know hand to hand type fight scene stuff, uh, but doesn't try and go too far with that, which is appropriate because you know. Ben Affleck's not actually a martial artist or something. Although that doesn't really matter, I guess, because you look at John Wick and, and, you know, the Keanu Reeves performance in those, and those are some excellent scenes. And, um, and, you know, Keanu Reeves obviously is also just an actor. But but anyway, um, in The Accountant, uh, I would say it it quality-wise is probably on par with, like, maybe a a Taken or, or something like that, which... Taken again, you know, I wouldn't put it up at the very upper echelon of action movies, but it's pretty reasonable. Um, Taken is really, really dark, which is is kind of tough to <laughs> to deal with, just because it deals with sex trafficking, and that's I don't know a pretty horrible subject matter. But, um, but yeah, the accountant uh, I would say is is worth a see. It's also got John Bernthal, which is the guy that played he played Shane in The Walking Dead in the first couple of seasons of that, or maybe just the first season. He's also uh, the Punisher in the Netflix Punisher series. Um, that's actually a series that I also highly, highly recommend. I, I really enjoyed the Punisher. It's too bad that the Marvel-Disney relationship in Netflix didn't work out because Disney wants their own spinoff service. Um, so now we don't get any more more Punisher. But I, I really enjoyed those those two seasons of the Punisher on Netflix. Really, really brutal. So if, if, you, if you don't like... Um, really brutal scenes of violence then it might not be might not be for you but uh it's funny as opposed as i am to violence in real life I, you know i don't like to i don't fight as in, a, in my life and uh don't encourage other people to get in fights or anything and don't really want to see you know people getting bludgeoned or something but when it comes to like an action movie i guess because it's fiction i don't know i'm i'm totally totally behind it and want <laughs> want those more extreme levels of violence. Um, and that Punisher series is good. But but again, back to The Accountant. Uh, it's got, again, some really excellent scenes. And uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a good watch. It's got good pacing and, and kind of pulls you through it. And ends in an appropriate time. Um, it has a couple of little minor kind of twists or whatever. But doesn't rely on those to, to make the whole movie. So uh, I thought that was good. Another one I watched recently that also stars Ben Affleck is actually a Netflix film called Triple Frontier. And it's actually kind of a bizarre action movie. It it the the first 30 minutes of that movie are are what a lot of other action movies the whole thing is about. And so the the movie starts out where it's these these guys that are ex-military or something and they find out about this drug lord in I think South America who has um 
enormous amounts of cash literally stashed in the walls, like in the drywall of his of his house. And so they concoct this plan to go and rob this drug dealer and steal this cash from his house. And it's a very kind of, it's not fair to say it's Ocean's Eleven because it's not that sophisticated of a plan, but, a you know, a sophisticated plan. And, and again, in a lot of action movies, that would be the whole movie. You know, the movie would be about, like, recruiting the team and getting the people together and then executing the heist at the end. And then, you know, similar to how, like, an Ocean's Eleven or, or those kind of movies play out. But in, in Triple Frontier, that actually all takes place pretty early in the movie that they they plan and execute this this heist. And then really the rest of the movie is about them trying to escape... Um, is about them trying to escape South America with the money. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like a, a, a an essay, <laughs> if you will, on uh, on people people's greed or something, but but basically through throughout the rest of the movie, because they try and keep as much of the cash that they've stolen as they can, they continually run into problems. Like their their helicopter can't make it over these mountains because they've got too much weight, and the reason they have too much weight is because they've got too much cash. Um, and then they just continually go through issue after issue. Ultimately, by the end, they, they, they I think the movie ends with they they don't have any any of the cash. They ha- they end up having to leave it all behind. So it's it, it's kind of a bizarre action movie because the the typical action movie trope again is satisfied really early on, uh, as opposed to that being the whole thing. And, and the movie is a little more, I guess, kind of introspective, you could say, um, about the characters themselves and and the, you know their their motivations and and then kind of the the downfall of them uh with their their greed uh but yeah i don't know it was it was still an interesting watch and and it was it was a, a different enough take on the genre that i think it's probably worth uh worth a watch but i would say the accountant you know the movie i just talked about was probably more enjoyable um in both, though, you know, Ben Affleck is someone who gets a lot of a lot of flack for being, you know, not a great actor or something. But I actually enjoyed his performances in, in both movies. Um, you know, he's not like my favorite, and I don't think that it compares to like again, you know, Keanu Reeves and the John Wick movies. That's really really excellent. Um, but you know, not everything is going to be best in class. Um, so yeah, I would recommend if you're into to either. Uh, if you're into action movies, I would recommend seeing either The Accountant or Triple Frontier, and, and they're both pretty good. Um, another one that I watched just last night <laughs> is called The Prince, and it actually has a pretty good cast. It, it you know it's got for for an action movie, it's got Bruce Willis, it's got John Cusack, it's got uh, Jason Patrick. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, this could be, you know, this could be all right. And, and it, it looked like a, a taken again style movie where there's, you know, someone seeking revenge, looking for their daughter, you know, looking for their kid kind of thing. So I expected that it would be that typical fare. And it is, it is, it is pretty bad. Um, the one thing it does have going for it is that it's only 90 minutes, so that's nice. That's another thing about action movies that I typically like is that they be nice and short. Um, because when they get longer, they just get bloated, and it's just not not really that great. But The Prince uh, the prince is unsatisfying in pretty much every level. The Prince is unsatisfying as far as you really caring about any of the characters at all. 
the plot doesn't really make a ton of sense. Um, the action scenes are really poor. I mean, there's a couple of, of hand-to-hand scenes that are, I guess, okay, but they're really <laughs> really not that good. And then the gunfighting scenes are just really dumb. I mean, it's it's literally just guys running in straight lines at each other shooting and you know the bad guys always get hit and, and the good guys don't and I don't know it's it's pretty bad um, they try and go for the whole you know John Wick Jason Bourne Liam Neeson and Taken style character for the for the, the protagonist where you're supposed to believe that he's this you know ex ex military badass kind of guy that, that's very stoic and and is just on a mission and I don't know. It's just not. It's, again, it's just really unsatisfying. It's just I don't know that it's the acting uh, as much as you know the directing of, of it is, is probably the problem, and, and just the script in general. It uh, I don't know. It tries. I think it tries to put too much together. It tries to. It pairs the main character with this really annoying college girl who doesn't really need to be in the movie. Like the whole movie could happen without her character at all, and instead she just serves to be annoying. Which is interesting because at one point she calls, she tells the main character that he's being really annoying, and and I almost wondered if that was like a tongue-in-cheek moment where they are trying to allude to the audience that that she is actually the primary irritant. Uh, either way, I would highly recommend not checking out <laughs> The Prince unless, like myself last night, you find yourself just uh, unable to get to sleep and, and need need something to to kill some time with. But even then, there's got to be something better out there than that. There, there's so many movies and, and shows and stuff available now with all the streaming services. Uh, it, it, I just can't can't give it a, a good recommendation. The last movie I want to talk about is Fast and the Furious 7. Now, that is obviously a pretty marquee franchise, a pretty big, big franchise that a lot of people are huge fans of. Uh, Fast and the Furious is interesting because it, you know, it came out with the first one and was hugely popular. And then the second one... I don't think was quite as well received. And then the third one was like straight to DVD, that Tokyo Drift. So, you know, there's, it's just not something that, that I thought was going to be around after that. I don't think anyone did. And then Vin Diesel ended up taking control of the, the series and, and being the owner of it and then kind of rebooted it. And it, they've, I think they have like nine movies now. And I think just this, this summer in 2019, they released, uh, a spin-off movie that that's just got the rock and Jason Statham that's like characters their characters from the Fast and the Furious movies but otherwise independent of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Um so again, clearly it's making money, clearly some people are are putting their eyes on it and going to see it, but I can't say that I fully <laughs> fully understand that. Um and yeah, Fast and the Furious 7 I actually I actually just can't finish it. I, I've tried to watch it on across multiple days, and about I can do about 30 minutes. I mean, the first day I watched it, I thought I had gotten a good hour, hour and a half into it, and I was like, all right, got to shut this off. I'll, I'll try and finish it tomorrow. And then looked, and sure enough, it, it's, actually <laughs> it's actually only 30 minutes in. So then the next day I tried again, and again felt like, well, this has got to be close to the end. It was still just another 30 minutes. Um there's some, you know, if you like if you like really fancy cars or something, then that that probably tickles your fancy. I don't really care about that. It doesn't really do anything for me. Um, but that's that's got to be about the only thing it's got going for it. I guess you could say the locations that they shoot at. You know, they shoot in, in Fast and the Furious Seven. They go to Abu Dhabi, and 
there's a scene where they <laughs> there's like these three skyscrapers and they drive a car from one skyscraper into the next and then out of that one and into the third one which is completely you know inconceivable but um I guess it looks cool you know there's some there's some some neat shots out of that you don't you don't really see those kind of scenes in anything else but it's just so bad like the 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 dialogue is so horrible and, and like I want to watch it something that me and my buddy Misha have talked about is is like what if these movies were actually made as satire and I've tried to watch them with that frame of mind because if they were written as satire, then they would actually be some of the most brilliant pieces of film <laughs> that have ever been created. But it, it's so hard to maintain that illusion when you're watching it because there's uh, there's just th- there's all this really bad comic relief that's built in. So then you it kind of shatters the illusion that there would be that it would be satire. Um, and they, they try and do love stories, and they try and talk about family, and they try and have Vin Diesel be, like, a a believable character as, like, a, you know, a wise individual. And it, it's just, <laughs> it's just really, really dumb. Um, the fight scenes are really bad, and I don't know if... If it's because of the you know fight scenes from movies like The Bourne Identity and, and John Wick and those kinds of things, or, or because I watch so much UFC, you know, and, and so I've seen a lot of act, what actual fighting looks like. But either way, it's just, it, it's hard to, to buy it because the, the, people just can't, you can't take a clean shot to the jaw from, from, you know, someone who's actually punching appropriately and still be standing. And if you can take one, you certainly don't take multiple. You just get knocked out. So, I don't know, all those factors combined, it just despite Fast and the Furious having way better production quality than, than something like The Prince that I, I talked about before, um, I you know, I was able to sit and watch the entirety of The Prince and, and the Fast and the Furious movie. I just, I couldn't get through it. I had the same experience with Fast and the Furious 5. I was able to actually finish it, but it took me, I think, four watching sessions to actually complete it because it's just so mind-numbingly boring and, and just and just dumb. <laughs> just Just plain dumb. Uh, but yeah, that's the action movie roundup for for today. So I'll I'll probably watch some more and and come back with some more thoughts and maybe another time do some some more deep dive on some of my favorites. But uh, but yeah, in summary, I would say The Accountant and Triple Frontier worth a watch. The Prince not worth a watch, and Fast and the Furious Seven absolutely not worth a watch. Misha, how you doing, man? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm well. Excellent. Uh, so we've been talking for a while that we wanted to have a conversation kind of about... Uh, it's kind of hard to position it. Um, to some extent, our, our fascination with uh, 
criminal elements or something. Yeah. You know, I, I, organized crime. But it's not to... really organized crime. To me, kind of means like the mafia, and it's not exclusively that. No, it well, it it, it evolves much more into deeper uh, concepts than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I guess kind of what we're talking about, you know, like for example, uh, I've always been pretty fascinated by like prison culture. And I, I mean, I did another episode before about that. Yeah. Right. Like, like the show Oz. Yes. Um, wire. Yeah. The wire. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a variety of shows that, that kind right. of scratch that itch for lack of a better term. Um, and like on YouTube now, like I watch, there's a, there's a channel called, uh, prison talk. Where, yeah, I think you mentioned that on the episode. Yeah, I did. Yeah, right, right. Um, where this guy who spent 10 years in the penitentiary interviews other people who have gotten out, and they just talk about their experiences. Right. Or there's actually another guy who's more recently started, and his his channel is called General Penitentiary. Uh, and he, he is actually... Like, the, the guy who does the prison talk channel is a pretty calm and, like, doesn't try and... Um, doesn't talk about his experience in prison as if it was like cool. Yeah. And course. the guy in the GP channel, he does still a little bit more. He looks like he does steroids. I don't know, but he's got veins popping out and he's really swole. Right. But, um, but he, he, his whole position is more of like he's like a, mot- he's trying to do like motivational speaking. So both yeah. of them do. Scared straight. Yeah. Both of them do try and talk about like that, you know, you should live your life the right way and not end up here. Yeah. And the, right. the GP dude, I think, tries to... I don't know that he's trying to sound cool necessarily. That's probably not fair, but it's like... I don't know. He just... He gets really, really animated in telling his stories and, like, gets really into, like, the moments when he was violent or when he saw violence. and Sure. But but it, it's weird because it's not... You know, I want to make it clear that, like... And, and I believe this is true for both of us... It's not that I think that it's, like, a cool lifestyle. And it's no, not that I'm trying no. to, like, celebrate it. Yeah, this is not an advocacy for that at and, all. And nor is it, like, a... Or endorsement. You know, <laughs> it, yeah, it's not an endorsement, but it's also not, like, a... Um, it's not trying to treat these these people that live these kind of lives, like, as, like, they're in a zoo or something. Yes. You know? Like, right. it's also not not like that. It, it's more, you know, for me at least, like... It's just that it's so foreign to yes. the life that I live yes. and have le- lived. And, and part of that is, is luck, you know, and, mm-hmm. and good circumstances and whatever. Um, but, it, yeah, it's just so foreign to me that it's like your life could, someone's life could be that way, you know? Yeah. Well, and you and I um, have a common interest in this, and it wasn't really something that I thought that I had actually a common interest with with anybody else. Not that I was like isolated or anything until you and I had brought up the movie Goodfellas. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I remember you and I talking about it, and I remember seeing it when I was like eight or nine or something, and I just like was completely fascinated with it. Like I loved it, mm. and you were like, "Oh yeah!" Like I used to watch it like all the time, and it's like that's so crazy that we both had that kind of response to like watching so, Goodfellas a lot that young and like you there know. was a kid that I hung out with that was like you know my best friend for the first few years of my school life you know from like first kindergarten to like I don't know fifth grade or something you know sure and uh his parents were like super religious so he wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies for sure and probably not even PG-13 movies yeah like right. he was watching like Three Ninjas Kickback 
Yeah, right. Oh man, I remember those. Good. Which yeah, I never I never watched any of that. Maybe. I don't know, we'll just give it a second. Yeah. Um So but anyway, I remember him telling me that one time I was at the house and I said that we were gonna play Goodfellas. And the way that we played Goodfellas was I said that I was like De Niro's character, and I think he had to be like uh, Ray Liotta's character. Right. Okay. And th- but I don't even remember what we did. But I remember eventually I told him he had to leave the room because I was going to have sex, but I didn't know what sex was. <laughs> so I, but I just knew that you got in the bed. Right. Yeah. And so I had like there was like this cat in the hat doll, and so then I just like put the cat in the hat doll in the bed, and then laid in the bed with it. But I, I didn't actually try and hump it or something. Like I didn't understand right, didn't anything know. about what sex right. was. Right. I just knew that that was something that they did. Yeah. They had sex, and that's what you're going to do as, as role playing as those people. Right. Right. <laughs> and all of that was super foreign to him because again, he wasn't exposed to any like, of that. I'm like, what the hell are we doing? What is right. This? Right. <laughs> and then I remember, like, we kind of fell out, and then I remember talking to him again when we were like in high school. And he told me that he was like, "Do you remember playing Goodfellas?" And told me that and I was like, "Wow, no, I remember that's kind of embarrassing and hilarious." So good enough, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I I do remember me being completely fascinated by it to the point of it being like endearing. Like I liked it. I had the same kind of reaction. Like we're gonna play, you know, mafia. We're gonna do this, whatever. Like, and it I actually don't you know, revere those people at all, or I'm actually very terrified of the yeah. mafia, you know, like, this is not... Or like, street hey, gangs in general, yeah, all of it, exactly, prison, all exactly. of it, terrified. Organized crime, yeah. I'm know, not a cartels, <laughs> any kind of crime, right. And, but that particular window for me, I think, is something that you touched on where it's like, it's so foreign to my life, and I guess it's these people that seemingly operated outside of normal rules, and maybe that just comes from my own, like, uh, natural like resistance to a- abuse of authority and questioning of authority, but it certainly just kind of came with like, oh, these people are maybe free, you know? I don't know. I never really analyzed oh. it that much. Of just, but they can they can do whatever they want. They have tons of money. They have tons of cars. They kind of live this way that that seemingly yeah. can they can just make their own choices and they're getting whatever they want, you know? Now, obviously, it's incredibly more dangerous than that, and it is incredibly dis. Disgusting, I would say, to a point where it's like, I can't believe that you're an actual human being. Like, so it's not revering them at all. It's just like very interesting of looking at it outside of my own fishbowl of like, how do people live? How are these people? How do you actually do these things on a daily basis and then go to bed and be like, all right, well, you know, I had to kill a bunch of people or rip off a bunch of people or deal with a bunch of drugs or whatever and then just be like, yeah. Man. Another day tomorrow, I guess. Like, yeah. It's so weird to me to have yeah. that kind of perspective. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, you know, I, I remember it was, it was you know, I don't know, probably close to 10 years ago now, but I had to work, I worked at, was working in a call center, and I, I had to work on the 4th of July, and there was like, there was no actual calls coming in at all. But I had to work a 10-hour shift, and, you know, I had the internet on the computer app, of course, and, uh, yeah, I ended up, just finding this guy who had created this like entire database of all of the American street gangs. Oh, wow. And just had like break, like, you know, sometimes multiple page, you know, but at least a page breakdowns of all of these gangs and their history and like all this stuff. And I just combed through it 
And I remember coming across MS-13. Right. But it was before MS-13 had really hit the national yeah. news sure. or whatever. Right. Uh, I mean, I even remember going home after that and making a WoW character named Mara Salvatrucha because I thought it was, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> Didn't understand how serious it actually was. Yeah, sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, like it was, I mean, it, I don't know, reading that stuff, it's just, it's so... Yeah, like you were just saying, it's so outside the pale of like anything that I would even consider, and I just can't imagine enduring that at all, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when I was 15, like, my dad took me to see Donnie Brasco. Like, any time a mob movie came out, I yeah. specifically requested that my dad take me before I was old enough to go. And he loves, like, true crime stuff, so he was just like, yeah, that's cool, that's fine, not thinking, you know, yeah. what my perspective is, and certainly it doesn't matter, because I don't like right. these people. But, it's like, I was that, like, engrossed in it. Like, is it a mob movie? We're watching it. I don't care what it is, I'm watching it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it kind of, like, so, uh, um, A Bronx Tale is another great one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, probably, you know, I don't know if it's the most iconic scene, but one of the best scenes in it, I will say, actually, quick tangent... I also just love action movies, right. and I think that these movies that are, you know, gangster movies or whatever, are also generally kind of good action movies, so I think that's probably also part of the draw, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm a big horror enthusiast and thriller enthusiast, uh, yeah. so there is an aspect of, like, the hit scenes and the the, the whole level of, like, fear-based yeah. you know, elements that I found really interesting because I'm, you know, a fan of that. But in the Bronx Tale, when the when the bikers show up and they want to drink at the bar or whatever, and the the mob guy, Chaz Palminteri, I think is the actor's name, walks out and is like, you know, like you guys can have a drink or whatever, that's fine. And then they're like, okay. And then they immediately like insult the bartender or break something. They do something, yeah, right? And then he's just like, well, now you just can't leave. And then they lock the door and then they just beat the mobsters just beat the shit out of those yeah, bikers right like right and it's just like i don't know like that's just a like that scene almost like it's an action movie scene yeah really grabbed me and something else that we were just talking about before we started recording was like how much i like you know what i call prep school which is pop rap you know so i do love me some tupac and sure. and some you know i don't know i would even say bone thugs is in the category with me for that where yeah. older school rap that i actually think is good rap uh, but Prap School is my pop rap again, is Prap. Um, that's like YG and Meek Mill and Drake and 2 Chains. And, and I don't actually think that it's a good rap per se. It's more like good kind of party music. And I don't even party, so I don't know why I want that. But, <laughs> right, right. but there's a bravado to it that I like. And it's that, like it in that scene I just talked about, it was like, now you just can't leave. Like it's that same bravado of just like yeah. I don't know that I'm drawn right. to. No, know? no, I think that that's super interesting because I also really like that particular aspect. Now obviously I don't listen to the uh, pop rap like you do. <laughs> so like my Your loss. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do like a lot of hip hop and I do like old school rap, but I like more in that kind of vein I like more like KRS-One. Public Enemy, yeah. NWA, Chronic, that kind of era. You sure. Know, like, still kind of in, 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 in tied with Tupac and, and, and Dre, but I like much more like the conscious jazz rap style. Sure. But that's super interesting because I actually never really thought about the fact that what I liked most about maybe like mafia movies in general, which led me into like a, an, an 
interest with gang culture and crime culture is that they take control of conflict. Like, yeah. they never get punked. The whole right. mentality is that you handle anybody trying to disrespect you and that you don't get the short end of the stick. Right. You actually come out on top by controlling the situation. Yeah. Now, obviously, they take it to the extreme measures and not rappers. I mean, some rappers do. But really, it was just that kind of, like you said, bravado where it's like, especially to someone that's young and coming up and trying to build up your identity, like, you can latch on to those things in a healthy way. Like, you know, hip-hop, where it's like, it does become a part of your personality that you can use to, like, gain yourself as an influence to how your world, you know, look and interact with the world around you. I mean, we also grew up, you know, mostly, I mean, we were born in 83 and 84, yeah. but so we were, you know, our, our childhood, because, you know, up through 89, 90, we're six, seven, so you're a baby and, you know, a very young child, so yeah. don't remember a ton of that. Right. But from like 10 through teenage years is, is basically all the 90s. Well, the 90s was also the height of gang, street gangs. Like, yeah. Right. Like, I remember watching a documentary on HBO when I was, like, 9 or 10, because it came out in 92, 93, somewhere in there, called Banging in Little Rock. <laughs> that's about the Bloods and the Crips yeah, who were, like, literally that. fighting. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Like, doing yeah. shootouts in front of the governor's mansion. Yeah, right. Like, I remember that being, like, a huge, huge uh, topic of conversation, a hot topic for, for right. pop culture. It was, like, the, the Bloods and the Crips. Like, you knew, it couldn't even get British Knights shoes yeah. Without them actually being, like, problematic in school. Like, well, can't really let you wear British Knights because we don't want to give the impression that you're a gang member because it says blood killer on it, you know, right. from the UK. And it's like, that's crazy that yeah. it actually influenced that level. Yeah, it's just Springfield, Missouri, where there is not really yeah, a population right, of that. Right, Yeah. In elementary school. I mean, right. fourth grade. Right. I don't know anything. I just bought some <laughs> shoes. What the hell are you talking about? Like, well, watch out for that kid. He's got BKs on <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I mean, I think that's part of it too, is just that at, you know, our most impressionable time in our lives when you were a kid, Definitely. that was just something that was in the media a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It just kind of extended on, you know, like I said, you know, the Oz was definitely a show that I watched a lot that influenced yeah. me quite a bit. I think we both maybe watched it when it was actually on. I don't know if you did. I, I watched it when it was on and then, too. but then I went back and actually rented it all in like, from Blockbuster yeah, in like I did 2005. Too. Yep, I did the same thing. Uh, yeah, watched it all. It actually is good for the first, like, I want to say maybe three or four seasons. Yeah, it doesn't really hold And it. then it's it just okay. runs out of yeah, steam. Right. I mean, it's just because how many how many storylines can you do in prison? Oh, yeah. Did I you mean, ever see the show Gangland? 
Uh, yeah, that that was like the History Channel show where they yeah. introduce a new gang yeah, every yeah. episode. It was uh, incredibly fascinating. Like I used to just like binge watch it, Same. but it becomes like redundant. Formulaic. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's a gang is exists and they think that they're the most vile, right, horrible thing that they you right. know could be. They're like, yeah, we're the hardest ever. Yeah. And then they do violent stuff and probably sell drugs. And yeah, right. They're all just the exact same. We're in a club, and this is what we do. And we sell drugs, and we elicit you know, prostitution, and we have strip right. clubs and whatever. And it's like, hey, you're all kind of the same, really, I guess. Right, right, yeah. Um, and The Wire actually came out. I mean, I think it started maybe like 01 or something, 02, yeah, somewhere something in there. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But I didn't watch it until like 2012. Yeah. So it was much yeah, think- later. Maybe you and I started at the same time. I can't. You had remember. already watched it. I had okay. Because you, you you were the one that that insisted that I watch it. Because you oh, were always like, yeah. it is the best show, and I was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Still. a police procedural, yeah, like a Law and right. Order, and I was like, I'm not or, or know. you know NYPD Blue, and I was like, I'm not watching that. I don't care. Yeah, right. And you're like, no, it's not, and it is so not that. No, at all. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. I would. I would say it's the best TV show I've ever seen. Now, absolutely. That comes with a grain of salt. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. I haven't watched. I have watched Dexter, didn't watch all of Breaking Bad, haven't watched The Walking Dead. Like, there's a lot of show. I haven't watched Mad Men. Yeah. There's a lot of shows that are considered really, really good right. shows now that I just haven't seen, so... Oh, it's still, like, compared to, like, even not even stuff in the same genre, like, uh, Seinfeld. Um, yeah. Arrested Development. Like, all of my favorite shows, regardless of their genre, like, it's, it's up there. Just in its quality of what it's doing, in its position to, like, tell a story from so many different perspectives. Because it's not just, like... Here's these characters, and then you just follow them until their end of their storylines. Like, right, it's a little bit more different than that, and yeah. you become aware of that as the writer actually does each season. You see, he's trying to tell the exact same story as in season one from multiple different perspectives, and then seeing how it all culminates together at the end. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I would say that the 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 wire. You know, I don't know what the intent of it is. I know it was all, it's five seasons, it was all written before they filmed it. Yeah. So it's kind of more, it feels more like a, a story that you would read in a book than it does yes. a TV show where they're writing it season per se, you know, by season. Yeah, right. Um, but to me, the the point that it kind of made, I thought, was just that, like, corruption exists at every level. Yes. And corruption doesn't exist just because people are evil. Yes. But because... When you make deals with people, you end up compromising, and then those compromises, you know, could could be that now you're you know lead to corruption or or at the very least corrupt looking actions. Yeah, but it's not specific to the gangs right. or the police. Like by the end, you've got like a shipping yard <laughs> involved, yeah, right. the media, a school system, yes, the police and the gang stuff, right. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Well, that's why I said that it was told from different perspectives. Yeah. Because each season revolves around that aspect. You right. You have a shipping yard in the season two, then you have the school, then you have the media. So it it doesn't just look at these characters, you know, the police on one side and then the dealers on the other side and then seeing how they conflict with each other and then you just watch that for five seasons. It's Which is like, what season one kind of paints it to yeah, be. Yeah, it does. That's what it and starts And it wraps as. itself up in that in season five, but you have to go through all the other elements that revolve around what crime actually is and why these people are doing what they're doing. Right. And it's never just that people are criminals because they want to do evil things, which is 
kind of a common perspective of people that see right. good and bad. They're just like, well, that person, you know, Hitler did evil things because he was a, an evil maniac. And he was like, yeah, but he wasn't like a villain in like a Marvel comic where he's like putting his fingers together like Mr. Burns and he's plotting things and he's just like, he knows he's evil. Like, he thinks he's doing something good. He's just going about it from a very crazy everyone else in the world thinks he's fucking insane except the people that are following him perspective. Like, you, he would never argue, or he would never agree that he was actually doing something evil. But everyone else would argue that. Yeah, I mean, that's why, I, you know, back when we read Game of Thrones a long time ago, that's why I liked it so well, because it was, ever the evil of the world was just people's personal motivations yeah, to... totally. ...whatever, to satisfy whatever end they yeah. had picked... As opposed to like a Lord of the Rings style yes. Sauron villain um, where it's just the evil eye and there's not really any rational rationality to why it wants to be evil or what it hopes yeah. to accomplish. Right. I mean, right. even Thanos in the Marvel movies, like you brought up, he actually also is more in the vein of like the Hitler thing where it's like he yeah. thinks that he's actually right. saving the universe. You at least identify with his position, whether or not you go like agree with his methods right. of doing it, most people would say no. Of course but not. he thinks he's making this giant sacrifice of putting himself on the cross to do that. Right. Like, he sees himself as that person, so you will never be able to convince him that he's not that person because he sees himself doing that. Yeah. And so it just always comes back to this position of, like, not that criminals do that with that intent that, oh, I'm making this giant sacrifice for the greater good. But I watched a bunch of documentaries of, of hearing dealers talk where they're like, if I don't do it, someone else will. So why shouldn't I just step in and make some money? Because I don't really see any, any other opportunity based on the environment that I'm in. Right. So I'm only just fulfilling a need that exists regardless of me. It's not even my intent or my input. I'm just fulfilling a role that was vacant before I stepped into it. And then once I'm dead, someone else will do the same thing. And I... That's a huge fascination for me because it's like this cyclical environment that exists that's like, yeah, but you're still like ruining people's lives. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing to see your justification and yeah. lack of sympathy and empathy for the, the people that you push because you see it as like a product that you're pushing. Yeah, but I think that whole environment lacks, I mean, I think there's also not a, there is also a lack of sympathy and empathy for that environment from society. So to their point, like, well, if I don't do it, that doesn't solve the problem. It no. still happens. So totally. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the, 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 you know, wildest version of that, that we've ever seen, which I, it's so crazy to me how focused the United States is on, uh, Middle Eastern terrorism, yeah. <laughs> which I mean, yeah, nine eleven was crazy. Like, yeah, I get it. You know, death to America stuff. I get it. Sure. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that there's not a not any sort of threat there or anything. But but the cartels in Mexico yes. are way closer. Yes. And way worse. Way scarier. Yes. Like we thought it was scary when when ISIS you know was killing people in some pretty graphic ways and taping it and stuff. And right. again, not trivializing it. It was horrible. It is messed up. But the cartels, dude. Like I watched a documentary. Uh, I think it's, I can't remember the the American city. It's not San Antonio. Whatever. There's an American city that's on the Mexican border, right? And and then the, the Mexican city is, is right on, there's a Mexican city on the other side of the border. Yeah. The United States-Mexico border. Oh, man, I can't believe it. I can't, I remember. can't remember either. It does start with Santa or something. Yeah, I feel like it does too. But either way, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. bottom line is, is that in the American city, 
there's like, I don't know, a hundred murders a year. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that separates these cities is an invisible line that someone put on a map. Right. And on the other side of that city, of that line in the Mexican city, there was like a thousand murders in the first eight months of the year that the documentary was made. Because it's just, the cartel is just insane. And it's like, it's so, it's just so wild how it can be that way. Right. Or like I watched this other documentary where at the very beginning it shows these guys in what look like police outfits uh, making methamphetamine out in the desert. Mm -hmm. And then it it goes and it tells the story about how like these cartels were taking over these cities and this guy who was a doctor actually was like had enough and so he organized a resistance in his city and they actually overthrew the cartel and pushed him out. Yeah. Well, so then he became kind of like a little folk hero and so then he goes to the next city and liberates it and goes to the next city and liberates it but he's basically a vigilante yeah, right sure right and and so the other problem is that you know I mean so A they're opting, operating extra judici- judicially you could say but as they continue to expand they also continue to need more people well soon enough the people that they're recruiting into this freedom fighter movement were the same people that were in the cartel of the town that they just liberated yeah so soon enough, the same tactics that the cartels use, like kidnapping and, you know, ransoming people and stuff like that, starts being done by these freedom fighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then the Mexican government comes in because they need... The, this vigilante group has grown into a pretty big problem. Right. And while they're fighting the cartel, again, they're also not serving the interests of the government, right? So the government agrees to make them an official police force. And forgive all past crimes. So right. clean slate, and now you're sanctioned, basically, right? Sure. To do these things. Sure. And yeah, and then by the end of the movie, it goes back to that first scene, and the guy, the police uniforms are guys that are in that new freedom force that was just sanctioned by the government. And yeah, they're just cartel members. They're just cooking the meth out in the desert. Right. So right. it all was for nothing. Yeah. Like, there's this whole cycle of freedom fighting and trying to liberate, and it all just ended up back to square one, where yeah. it's all the same. Right, right. I don't That's know. That's why, you know, wild. I think you and I have talked about it before, but I feel like the only solution to that problem is just to legalize it. And legalize it in the areas that you can. Drugs, you mean. It, yeah, drugs. Because... That's the only way that you can take control out of a cartel's hands. And if you don't do that, there will always be someone that positions themselves into power to do that outside of the the, the legislation that's already in place. Like, it is kind of a need that will... Because there's already a demand for it. So if you don't control the product itself and then have your own federal, whatever country you're in, arms to, to back up you know your products that are being sold then you're just leaving it to people that to do it by themselves and they will always operate because there's billion dollars to be made on it. Right. So if you can't control the product, you can't control the quality and you can't control how it's distributed and all you're really doing is just fighting, you know, a bucket of water that never gets patched. It just constantly just streams always because people always want drugs. Like it will never stop. You know, the other thing is, is that the cartels actually, you know, it's not just, and this is true actually of a lot of the street gang stuff, and the cartels are obviously much more organized than that, but there's also a level of it where, like, there's almost like this Robin Hood effect, Mm -hmm. where, like, you know, I've heard stories in Mexico where you're driving and the road is, like, dirt or gravel or something, 
and then it becomes paved, and it's sure. like, why is it paved here? And it's like, oh, this is cartel controlled area. Oh yeah, like oh dude, Pablo Escobar, huge yeah. with that shit. Like I mean, because it's so hard for a government to fight somebody that's doing criminal activity when the majority of the population sees them as a hero. Right. So he gained a huge yeah. amount of trust from his own public to gain him as like this hero. And they there's still people that revere him as being, you know, an amazing, you know, figure of, you know, I don't know, contribution to their society. Yeah. Even though he fucking blew up a plane <laughs> of innocent people. Right. I mean just ruthless in murdering people. Yeah. Like completely It was setting off bombs in downtown Medellin. Oh yeah. I mean when he and when um Escobar with Medellin and uh Cali were fighting each other, um they actually, I watched a documentary recently about it, and they actually really couldn't compete on that level. And they were actually ones that were responsible for funding the Colombian government to go in and attack him. Like they hired a bunch of mercenaries to work with uh, the Mexican or the Colombian government to do that because his level of violence was so extreme they couldn't match it because they just were underwhelmed by the like staffing, <laughs> right? Like because he was already putting measurements in place with security assassins you know or sicarios like and just anytime anything needed to be done the cali cartel actually got a videotape from him as a threat where they were like we played the video and all it was was just all of their kids going in and out of school and like showing like how easy it was for him to like track them and capture them and like you have to stop or this is going to happen like that's crazy. That level of right. like intimidation and Jesus, like yeah, mass murder. I mean, really, it's just yeah, like, wow, dude, like yeah, it's just that. it's just it's just incredibly ruthless. Then that's why I think that it has to be legalized because in the the drugs, again. the drugs again, so <laughs> Not the drugs the has to be legalized because. If That's you the don't, entire they structure. operate on their own legislation. They operate on their own laws. They're just going to be innocent bystanders gunned down in the street because they don't live in the same world that we do. Yeah. And we talked about that before. All levels of crime, when you meet someone that's in that level of crime, a dealer or whatever, like they are operating on a different level than you and I are. They are playing a game that's different. They arm themselves... They have, you know, watchdogs, like, they have people that surveillance for them. Like, they have all kinds of crazy measurements in place the same way that an organized crime or, like, uh, a government would. They just don't follow legislation at all. So the people that get caught in the middle are the people living in the world that we do, which is living under government law. Like, well, I don't want to go to prison, so I'm not going to do that. But right. prison doesn't do anything for those people other than just keep them in a cage. But, I mean, fuck, Pablo built his own prison. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll go to prison, but I'm going to build it myself, and then I'm going to stay there, and I'm going to have everything that I want. He had a fucking suite for his prison cell. Right. It wasn't even a cell. He just couldn't leave his compound. But it's like, he just built himself a castle that he doesn't have to leave. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, the Narcos insane. show on Netflix was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Recreation yeah, really of all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, I, I, I don't really know, I guess, even where the this conversation ends or, or goes because, again... I, again, I don't seek to glorify any of it, and I don't. I, I don't have like a solution for it. I mean, I do think that legalizing well, drugs, especially in the, at least in the context of the cartel, right, goes a long way. But then, like you have, you know, like in Japan, you have is it the is it the triad there or is that China? 
Maybe that's trying. I mean, the Yakuza's. Yeah, Japan. Yakuza. That's yeah, what I was trying Yakuza's to think of. Japan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, they, they do the, the Yakuza. Uh, I, I can't think of the word now, but it's where you like. <laughs> it's so stupid that I can't think of the word. Where you like go to the shopkeeper and you're like, hey, you have to give me protection money, but the protection money is from me. You know, you're protecting yourself from me by paying me. Okay. Yeah. I can't think of the word for that. Uh, but anyway. Like, that that stuff goes on. However, the neighborhoods that they control are actually some of the safest neighborhoods you can be in because yeah. no one no one's willing to fuck up because yeah. they don't want the Yakuza to come after them. You know what I right. mean? Right. So it's like, it's this weird, again, kind of like what we were talking about the cartel. Like, it's this weird balance where they, they're this horrible thing, but at the same time, they also bring a level of, like, stability order. Now, I think, not to try and trivialize the Yakuza at all, but I think that they I think that they are more like American street gangs are and like the Mafia was, where it's more like, you're most likely at least to be affected by it if you're in that life. Yeah. Whereas the cartel, like in Mexico, they don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, there's no. stories where they, they like go to, like, see a girl in a bar that they think is cute and then just send the goons in to kidnap her, and that's just it. Yeah, like, right, She just right. gets taken. Yeah, and, exactly. You know. Or, in a worst-case scenario, they just have a shootout between each other in the street, and then there's just... Or they'll shoot up a club or something where there's one person that's in a rival gang yeah. or a rival cartel or whatever, and they're just going to gun down the whole club, but there was only one person in there that was affiliated with the cartel, and everybody else was just innocent, and it's just like, I guess I got shot, even though I just wanted to come out and hang out with my friends, like... I got fucking gunned down for no reason because someone else's assholeish, you know, agenda. Yeah. It's just like you can't just send in a force to stop that because your ability to stop that is only stopping circumstances. There's still gonna be a product that's being sold, an agenda you can't control ideas. You know what I mean? You can't mm -hmm. just say like, "Well, I'm gonna police your idea." Like, no. I mean, it's David Cross. Like, you can't have a war on jealousy. <laughs> right. You, know? you ain't gonna win it, my man. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's just like you you can't fight terrorism because it's not an armband that was worn on a uniform to identify like you're a Nazi. Okay, I see your enemy. You're like, I got you. You know, it's like it's kids. They get in kids. They get women. They get whoever the fuck they can, and they will extort them. Extortion is the word I couldn't think of. Oh, yeah. Extortion, yeah. <laughs> That's what that is. Sorry, yeah. And then extort them, bribe them, whatever. I mean, you and I were talking earlier about, like, 12-year-old hitmans that work for cartels that have killed hundreds of people. And, like, I didn't know I, you know, there was promised money to do a chore for someone that seemed like he had a lot of money, and so it did it. And now if I don't keep doing this, he said he was just going to kill my entire family. So if I don't do this, I'm going to lose my mom and dad. It's like, right. that's the level that you're dealing with by not legalizing the thing that they're selling. Now, well, you can't control, I would never advocate for like sex trafficking and you know stuff like that. But like drugs, like you can control drugs. We already control drugs. We already control tobacco. We already control alcohol. We're now starting to like control like marijuana, like just do it because then you get the control. You get the profit, not someone else who's just going to murder people in the street when they don't get their way. Mm -hmm. Like, putting that person in prison doesn't bring back the 30 people they gunned down in a club back to life. Like, well, we got him. Like, yeah, but now his, you know, fucking surrogate just came through and he's going to do the exact same thing. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, the the I don't know, like I said, man, the cartel stuff is is the craziest. I it, it is as I said earlier already, it, it's just unbelievable to me that that is not viewed as like the biggest or most immediate threat Absolutely. to us because it's like you know, and now I, you know, the two movies, the two Sicario movies, I, I, I like pretty well. Yeah. But I actually, there's a guy on Joe Rogan. I can't remember his last name. His first name's Ed, and his Instagram is called Ed Manifesto, but his name is not Manifesto. But anyway, uh, he actually served in the Mexican uh, military, fighting against the cartel from like 2004 to 2014. So he's sure. like a decade of experience. Right actually in the field in this stuff right and uh he actually and now he is in the states and teaches like security awareness training and stuff like that right but he actually said that the sicario movies are you know certainly they can be entertaining but the they're not really realistic as to how oh no it actually goes right you know yeah of course yeah yeah a little dramatized or hollywoodized or yeah. whatever no but, of course yeah yeah but it's certainly you know you can just become a hit anytime. That was what was most terrifying to me about mafia movies is that you can actually be a victim in that club. You're subscribing to a club, which is what all gang culture is, you know, just like any other club that you subscribe to, whether it's a you know religious one or a political one or whatever. Like you're a part of a group now. They all view themselves as like we're a family, you know, like mafia families and shit. But really. You can get killed just for knowing information. You didn't even do anything wrong. Yeah. You were just a part of a group that was handed out to carry a task. That task got compromised because it was being investigated by the FBI. Let's say you were like boosting cars or overturned a tobacco truck or something. <laughs> if you're involved in that and you know information about that and the FBI is investigating it, they'll just kill you because you were a part of it and they're going to tie it up as a loose end. Like, that just happens. It's like, yeah, damn, you were playing the game the you know a dangerous game that you thought you were doing correctly and you still got off yeah <laughs> by the people that you consider to be a family like it's just insane yeah it's just in, in yeah the uh the prison gangs is probably i don't know that i don't know I, it's not fair to say it's the craziest cuz again they're all insane but the prison gang culture is just wild because they're they're in prison right yeah, right but they still exert an enormous amount of influence and power and still yes. have people on the outside killed. And, right. Yeah, um, right. That's like those prison shows on YouTube I was telling you about that I watch. Those guys are from the California prison system, and that seems to be the most intense mm -hmm. gang-wise is right. the California system. But, I mean, I think it exists everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and it's the thing that... Uh, maybe the general public doesn't understand in terms of, like, the level of corruption is that, like, the Mexican police, just like with the Colombian police, like, the reason that, like, Escobar was able to get to where he was, or El Chapo, like, either one of those cats, is, like, when you get to a billion-dollar industry that you're creating and you're making millions of dollars per day, super easy to pay off cops, super easy to pay off military to let your trucks through. Or prison guards. Or prison guards, whatever. So, you're like, yeah, you went to prison... And you're going to stay there, but that person still has influence. That person can still control whatever they want to. Because yeah. their business is still existing outside of them. So they're still just running it from the inside. You can pay off guards. You can pay off wardens. Like, they're people. They pay their people and they have money. If they can't be bought off, extort them. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be just be like, well, you're going to let this person do whatever they want to in prison, or we're going to kill your entire family. 
and I'm only doing this because you're the one in charge of guarding him. Right. Uh, I guess I would try and go to the police, but maybe I'm still possibly going to interact with someone who's an informant for them. So I tell that person, but they've been bought uh, off, and now they tell the, the person right. that's extorting me, and now they do just kill my... Fa- you know what I mean? Like, it's so fucking convoluted in this spider web of really yeah awful, terrifying circumstances that it's like, it's far more dire than just like, there's a drug dealer, he's selling drugs, and then that's just stay away from him. It's like, it goes way beyond that. Like, it does. Not, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, uh, like I said, you know, something that obviously we've both been fascinated by for our entire lives, mostly. Totally. Um, and yeah, I, you know, all those shows that we recommended, I still think are great shows, and the movies mm-hmm. are really interesting movies, so yeah. uh, would still recommend them, but again... Yeah, it's just an interesting, to see a different perspective <laughs> right. in someone else's life. Like, right. that's really what you're doing, is just like, take a step and take a second to look outside of your own echo chamber and just see that other people live lives that are way crazier than you could possibly imagine. going to do it for today's show. Thank you again, Nisha Zarens, for stopping by and uh, and recording that with me. It was a fun conversation. Uh, and I guess the, <laughs> the takeaways from this week's episode, uh, don't do crime, uh, don't watch bad action movies, and uh, and don't give up when things uh, when things suck, because uh, that, that sucks more, I think. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye.